y'all when we shot it. Y'all better get in the camera. And we taking it not serious. We shooting our parts. We sat down and watched the first edit. It was about two seconds of the locks. <laughs> He's described you as the El Chapo of the coffee game. Just tell us a little bit about how you got into that space. Some of us don't have a lot of things that we could pass on to our kids. He didn't want to work in my company. I had a business that I could have left, but I couldn't expect him to work in, in my company because he's probably more profitable than I was at the time. What was the moment that you was like, oh, my dad is like a big deal? Hearing the music and stuff, you seeing it, seeing people run up to him and come up to him, like then you just start putting two and two together. Y'all gotta get this right. Because if y'all don't get this right, we're not bringing them out, all right? It's just that simple, all right? Coming to the stage, one, two, three. All right, that, I, think that, I, think, I think we're getting where we need. I think we're getting where we need. We're going to time this right. We're going to time this right. So I need you to just do what you do, CEO. I need... Let's go. Coming to the stage. One more trial. I need you to make some noise. Top five, dead or alive. Yonka's own, bad boy, rough water, D block. Jada Kiss is in the building. Let's go. You are here. I'm here. What's up, y'all? We are here at Ludlow House on the Charles Coleman Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me, my Thank brother. Thank you for being here, my brother. Um, super excited for today's conversation. It's, it's kind of wild because literally I went to get a haircut today. I left the crib and I was listening to Hard Life with y'all and Mob Deep, which I had heard forever. Wow, rest in peace, prodigy. Yeah, rest in, peace, rest in peace, prodigy. So on the way to the barbershop, this is, a, this is a real talk. I got out the car, and somebody drove by, and they was playing for the people from 2009, which y'all, over the over common, the common, over the common, 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 over the common yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. I'm like, this is crazy. Then I'm on the way back from the barbershop. This is a true story. And somebody else is playing Benjamins. And I was just like, all right, Lord, I guess today was the day that we supposed to do it. Um, I was trying to get together an intro about all your accomplishments, all your achievements. Do you realize how much like misinformation is out there online about you? <laughs> like, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I'm not aware, but I am aware. You know, I think that people that know, they know, and the people that don't, they get misinformed. Nah, it was wild. Like the first thing I saw was literally they had this this is the wildest shit there's a site for the grammys i think it's a fake site though for best album for donda and, <laughs> and i was like how well, i mean we was on there i know so, y'all was on it yeah, right but, but does yeah. that count like if they if that I guess, wins i guess it do because we did they they sent us the nominations for being on Donda when Ye got nominated. So when they, so if he would have won, yeah, you I guess got if it. you're a part of it, oh, yeah. that's crazy. No, I mean, no, I ain't sure. Cause you got not well, then you got nominated on for Mary's last album too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Shout out to Grammy nominated recording artist Jada Kiss. Um, the first thing I really wanted to talk to you about influence. Um, your fingerprints. Like, this is hip-hop at 50. Your fingerprints are all over the game. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All over the game. What do you, how do, and I just need you to air it out. Like, you don't got to be modest here. This is a, a very safe space. Okay. What do you see as your influence on hip-hop at 50? Um, almost like I just said before, like the people who know, know, and then, you know, I'm, always, I'm, I'm probably go down in history as one of the artists that didn't get his proper credit or his just due or, you know, but. Why do you think that, why do you think that is? 
at the same time I say that, there are a society of people that do give me my proper credit and proper flowers. Right. Absolutely, so, without um, a doubt. And I, I think I look at the game different, or me and my brothers coming in when we came in, everything was totally different. Like the, the whole infrastructure of, you know, the money was different. Um, the way they shot videos was different. The, the sound of music was different. The way, you know, albums came out on Tuesday opposed yep, to yep. Friday. Uh, no social media, you know. Right. When you had to be, you had to go when it was street teams, and you had to actually get up and go and touch the people and make them know you had an album coming out. Opposed, you had to work the album. Opposed to hit and sin. Which is, which is also powerful because you're reaching masses of people in demographics you have never been able to travel to or the label don't have the budget to send you to Egypt or none of these people you're able to engage with with social media. Right. So it's a double-edged sword, but I think that I call it the golden era when I first came out. It was better. It was more, it was more organic. You had right. to talk to the program directors. You had to take the DJs out to clubs or restaurants, strip clubs, whatever. You had to you had to really work your project opposed to it being more monetized on a digital, you know, a digital rollout now. There was one thing that um there was one other thing that you had to do at that during that era. You had to be able to rap. You had to perform right. <laughs> right. You actually had to have substance. Like you had to and and the other thing is you had to be able to MC, you had to be able to perform. Somebody asked me that few days ago, um, what was the, when I was coming up, to be around Biggie, Hove, Nas, Redman, Tretch, any of them, you know, tribe, you had to have skills. Any care if you had to, a common watch or you had a Cullinan outside or a Cuban <laughs> or nothing, that wouldn't get you in them rooms or them, you know, them sessions or able to feature on Big's album or do any of that. They didn't care about none of that, opposed to now if... You looked apart, you might get slip in to some of them rooms that you're really not supposed to be in, but you just look like the people in there, so they you let go. you in by default. But yeah, back then you had to be nice or they didn't care who you were. If you wasn't nice, you couldn't get in that type of service. It was, it was also, I think, to your point, social media makes a lot of shortcuts. Facts. Because if you can build this following, of like they automatically claim. They, they're just yeah. like, oh, all right, he must be he did some, like that. He got he this something. much. He got these so followers, so let's it. let him yeah. in the room, right? Yeah. So that's also a shortcut. But no, but we there was a moment, um, you know, we met earlier this year in June. Shout out to BET at the BET Awards. Yes. And sure. there was a there was a moment that we was at the after party. So you I remember it distinctly. You was like two sections over. And I was in, you know, another section, and then there was a bunch of artists that was on stage, right? We don't, we don't got to air nobody out. It was just a bunch of artists that went down there. And you didn't go. You didn't go, but you was just watching them. One thing that we know about the time that you spent working with, with, with Diddy was that he really, like, we don't got to tell the refrigerator story. <laughs> we don't got to do that. I'm not going there. Nah. I'm not going there. He really focused on y'all as like performers? Craftsmanship was very influential and very, he was, he pounded that, you know what I mean? Because he showed no it, more. he showed it from him. For one, we was the, like the, the young cats on the label that was on the tour with him, but he did weeks of rehearsing before we would have to do any type of big show or any tour. He made sure it was close to a month or more of rehearsing. Just repetitive. You get tired of it, but you do it so much, you, you know you wasn't going to mess. I, I think we saw that really take shape um, during that Versus. Everybody, everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. Like, y'all can give it up because we was all watching and we all saw what happened. I think, um, number one, you was wrong for that Pulling out that who shot you on him with, with tech. <laughs> Once you pulled that out on him. It's the art of war, baby. It's the art of war. 
I think people really underestimate what it is to be an MC and, and to perform. Because you have like Kane and artists like that who really gave artists a show. Right? Still to this day. To this day. To this day. And, and I think that when you're talking about MCing, people take for granted that there is a difference and that it matters. So like for you as an MC, tell me what is it about that that really gets your blood going? For one, me coming up, I seen performances before hit records, like park jams. Mm -hmm. You know, you seen I seen dudes rip the mic that'll never be on the radio. So then after learning about how the game was, you know, how the game operated and hearing singles and the top 88 and playlisting and meeting program directors, then I was able to learn about big records and things of that nature. So it's like I learned the game backwards. Perform, I'm watching perform a little kid, watching performers and, you know, intrigued by the performances of just dope MCs before it was a performance that was attached to a hit record or a Grammy nominated song or, you know, top of billboards. And I learned about that after I learned seeing dudes crush the mic. So I guess learning it backwards helped me out. And then being on Bad Boy, being on Rough Riders, having to perform with X, having to perform with Diddy, that's like a different, you gotta, you gotta get in shape or get right or get out of here. Cause right. they, right, right, right. they're tearing it. And it was, I would imagine it was OD competitive. Super competitive. I mean, for we was this, able you know, to. I'm talking like in house. Definitely in house. Yeah. You gotta. We learned it from the Benjamins video. When we watched the first cut of the Benjamins video, you would have thought it was all puff. He hogged the hell out of the camp, <laughs> and he like, yo, I told y'all when we shot it, don't this because I'm me. Y'all better get in the camera, and we taking it not serious. We shooting our parts. We sat down and watched the first edit. It was about two seconds of the locks. And the whole shit was Diddy. So we learned from there, like, take the camera serious, take, you know, performance serious, don't cup the mic, work the stage, never turn your back. There's a bunch of things that he taught us as, you know, as little jits that stuck with us. And you gotta keep keep working it. Cause performing is something that don't, it don't matter who you are or what the record is, is gonna take a, period of time before you actually become a nice performer. Only time can help you perform right. It don't matter, no politics, no none of the yeah. label can't, they can't, do, they they can't, can't make you get they up there and rock. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they can do everything else. They can't, when, you, when they hit the, turn your mic on and put you out there, it's you in the crowd. So you brought it up, um, you know, you've talked extensively about the years with Bad Boy, years with Rough Rider. I, I remember being in high school and it was like, let the locks go, like that whole, like I remember that. Crazy campaign. Crazy that was campaign. a crazy campaign. Crazy campaign. And now I'm a lawyer, I'm like, that shit would never work, but, <laughs> but y'all got it done. So, Benjamins, one of the biggest, I, I would say easily, because I, you know, I want to sort of go through my hip hop brain right now, Easily one of the top 10 biggest hip hop records ever. Ever. It's one of those things that soon as somebody hears the beginning of that song, whether you know the sample, whether you don't, like now, what y'all, it, it, it's, it's, it, that's all you need to hear. You know, right? So when that comes on and you're in a spot, because it came on in, when we was in, in LA. And I just watched you, and I really wanted to ask you, what does that feel like to have written one of the biggest hip-hop records ever? And some people, like you said, this is, there's a society that obviously knows, but some people don't even realize, like, yeah, I wrote that. Yeah. What does that feel like? That's a great question, because it used to feel horrible mm -hmm. hearing it and knowing I was getting <laughs> the smallest <laughs> percentage of it. You know what I mean? Word. But now we work things out. We was able to get our catalog and some things. Shout out, shout out. It feels good, you know, airing it. Um, the way that song was put together was crazy. Uh, that that notorious part that you all of the people know now, which I want to want to be ballers. That was just one of my 16s. We was in the MIDI room in Bad Boy. The MIDI's the small room that you can't record and you can just write and listen to beats. 
and we were in there having a cipher amongst ourselves or somebody, and Diddy came in, heard me spin that. He like, yo, I want that verse. And then me, I said, I was young, I, you can keep it. I didn't, I think it was that dope anyway, but yeah, you can keep it. And then, you know, he made it, he put it on a Benjamin's beat. Shout out to Derek D, John Angeletti, and you know, history. Shout out D Dot. 20 something years later, it was a, turned out to be a, one of the biggest records of my career, probably. But yeah, you know, that's how music is made. You don't know. In the moment you recording it, you don't know that what it's gonna do. Yeah, you don't know that the people, how the people gonna receive it. So we talked about where your sort of imprint is and has been on hip hop. It's like it's like almost like to borrow a line from um, Christopher Wallace back in in in, in the mixtape days, Invisible Bully, like the Gooch, disappeared, bamboo back me, you know. Um, you have had this very, very sprawling influence, but now the landscape is kind of like no country for old men. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In terms of, and I'm not calling you old man, nah, I'm just saying, definitely. You, know, you know what I I'm mean? I'm definitely an old man. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but so now that the landscape has changed, where do you see yourself fitting? Like, where do you see yourself in that space? See, it's not about fitting, it's about Existing, you know what I mean? Um, hip hop is a big Ferris wheel. Mm. And it, it, it goes a little bit slower than the actual Ferris wheel in the carnival, but <laughs> if you're able to stay on, you'll be all right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And um, as it's spinning, it might pass a couple of things that's not your cup of tea, not actually the fashion sense that you gravitating to the haircuts. It might be a bunch of things. Jury might have got smaller or gordier or, you know, but if you're able to stay on the wheel when it comes back around, you'll be able to eat again. How do you stay on the wheel? You stay on the wheel. Um, I no, no, how do you? I, I, how do no, you I'm, stay I'm on telling the wheel? you how I stay, and I'm giving the manuscript to stay on if you have kids. Okay. Listen to your kids. You listen up. I use my, my kids, all of them, especially my oldest, but I use all of them down to the youngest because their ears are honest. They, you know, they ain't going to lie. If it, if it sounds like poop, they're going to say, I hate that. If they like it, they're going to start jumping around and doing all that crazy stuff to it. So pay attention to stuff like that. Um, embrace the new artists. Don't be the grumpy old men. I mean, like I said, it might not be a cup of tea, but if you're able to give a young brother or sister some game on what to expect, you know, in this crew industry. They Some of them appreciate it. Some of them who think they richer than everybody, they don't want to hear it until yeah. they get in a tax jam in a few years. <laughs> but um, other than that, you know, just be yourself and embrace all of the music. Don't feel like, just because I think I came in the golden era of the 90s, 2000s, that I'm not able to learn something or appreciate what's coming out now, and I think you'd be all right. We, we got some other special guests we're going to bring up in a second, but I got, I got two more questions before we bring them out. Number one, there's always that conversation. You just alluded to it, like this idea of we're willing to embrace where hip-hop is going and evolving and new artists, but then some of that shit is just whack. Facts. So like, no, how do you, no, how do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you differentiate between listen, just telling the truth? I like, just yo, this told is you, if it ain't somebody that ain't making your particular cup of tea of music, you gotta tell them perfect your craft some more. Learn, it's a bigger world out there. Read, give them some books you might have read. Give them some movies. It's gonna take time. Like this is a, this is this game became instant when it was a stovetop prepared game. Over the years, they put it in the air fryer, they put it in the microwave, they, you know what I mean? When I first got in, you Car had to pop. let it, it had to simmer and saute. An album could take years, but the people respected your process and they respected the wait for it and embraced it. Now, I don't know what happened. It was a money shift where they lost billions and they got to get it back quick. So now, cup of noodle. It's a cup of noodle game. Well, it's also, it's also I think, is is that it's like pop tart, pop tart MCs because the ability to, to sort of keep music shelved is harder. 
Because it's so easy. You can just put out you put some it, garbage. Put, you put it out. Yeah. Put out the garbage and let it just, whatever. It, it might float somewhere. It might, you know. It might hit. live over there. It might live over there. And then that changes the volume of stuff that people are putting out and also the speed at which, because you can't be away for too long because then they forget you. So you got to keep. Attention span is shorter. So now that's what makes people do a lot of stupid stuff just for content. Yeah. To stay in the, the eye of the, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a double-edged sword if you think about it. So this is a this is a very intimate conversation. We about to bring up some family. Um, but before that, I got two questions for you. Number one. I thought it was one more. You switched it. <laughs> nah, that's, that's one of them. That's one of them tricks they teach you. Nah, it's all good, but you know, I'm an avid listener. You hear that? You see that, right? That's one of the things they teach you. Oh, you've seen, like... There's money over there. Yeah, stack. Hey, 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 yo. You've seen every... You've seen pretty much everything from every angle. Um, Been in so many different spaces. I, I would love it if you could give us either a story or background... It doesn't. It could be a story, or it could be background to something, whether it's a record, a video, something that we didn't know, that we've never really sort of known about hip hop, Bad Boy, D Block, Rough Riders, just in, just something. Because we've heard a lot, but uh, I want them to get something different on the Charles Coleman podcast. Uh, let me see a story. I just whatever we was just talking about. Just I had one in my head. I don't know if it was something on Bad Boy with Biggie, um, the Benjamins. A story nobody probably know. When Big got killed was our first time in Cali. And but you Styles wanted to get off the label right then. Really? And we didn't, yeah. Styles, I don't know what Styles is like a six cents type of guy, but when it's our first time there, you know, they we we there for the whole thing is like overwhelming. We see the SUV shot up. Yeah, yeah. We, you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's still beeper days. My mom is beeping me. My beeper's going crazy. They like, yeah, we here. And I'm like, yeah, it's true, man. Uh, P's like, you want to get off the label? I'm like, what? He ain't even dropped my album yet. <laughs> he like, nah, this is a good time. This has happened to Big, this, that, and I'm like, you serious? He's like, yeah, no. This is just with me, him, and Luch. But then I'm like, all right, let's just wait it out. We got, we still was probably in L.A., and he felt like that. So I'm like, yo, let's wait it out. Um, we get back home. Of course, they have the funeral and all the services and all of that. Uh, we made Big Papa. We always love you, Big Papa. That didn't have... We didn't, we didn't know Puff was making No Way Out, none of that. We just wanted to, we were so cool and close and loved Big and the Junior Mafia. We wanted to make a song that they could even play at the repass or mm. play. We just wanted, that was just like our, something for them. Right. Um, we was able to do it. Shout out to Dame Grease. Shout out to all of the little kids on the chorus. We sent it to them and then... Fast forward, the No Way album, No Way Out album happened. But before all of that, after the big services and the funeral, we had a label meeting. That's why I say Styles got the six cents. Puff asked everybody on the label if you wanted to leave. You know what I mean? I don't think people, he, he, we had an all out meeting. Anybody that wanted to leave could have left. Right there, like, you know, you know what happened to Big, if you don't feel comfortable, if you, and P's under the table, like, this. <laughs> let's get out of here, let's tell him we want to get out of here. I'm like, dog, we can't, do, we, we, didn't, we didn't roll the dice yet. Right, right, right. We got a couple, you know, we've been ripping clues and we scratching the surface, but we hadn't dropped our Money, Power, Respect, our debut album haven't came out yet, so I'm like. Was all that stuff recorded? I think it was almost finished or, you know, 60, 75%. It was, it was ready to be come oh, out. Wow. So he was ready to walk. So P was like, yeah, and, I'm, and people don't really know that. I don't know how, what would have happened if we would have left. 
Who, t- who, 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 was there anyone who, was it you or Luch or both of y'all who talked them down? I don't think Luch was even listening to him. <laughs> he was, he bugging Pete. But I was like, I wanted to know if he was serious. I'm like, what are we going to do? What all the, what we got on the table right now? We just, he just probably felt we were strong enough, but I, we was, I'm glad we didn't, mm. we didn't make that move. Appreciate that one. That was also, Suge, Suge called. One day after like eleventh grade, one after high school, we used to go to Sheik's crib and watch video music box. Shout out Ralph McDaniel. We used to buy some snacks. We used to go to the store get snacks and go to Luch's crib and watch video music box. Now we wasn't smoking yet. We were still good kids. We wasn't smoking. So we go, we chilling in Luch's living room watching. The phone ring. I just think it's his mom telling him to take out some chicken or something, some red. He like, yo, he come back. It's Suge Knight on the phone. I'm like, dog, stop playing around. Took the red eye. Yeah. I, I, he like, yo, he somehow, he must have been going at it with Puff so much, he found out that bad boy offered us a deal. And he was like, yo, whoever y'all want, you can get on a red eye tonight. You can come with your whole family, bring them. Bring whoever you want. We want to sign y'all. That's that prime time recruiting pitch. We hung up. We like, yo, we can't do this. We won't. It won't. It won't work. And they was the, they was on super five. But we like, yo, when it all ceases and settle, we can't do that. So we ain't even entertained. Mm. Last question. Damn, thank God, hip hop could have been a very different place. At that, you know, alternate multiverse universe. The locks on death row. Jesus. Yikes. <laughs> we may have made some mean joints, though. I mean, yeah. I don't know how the overall outcome, it but I know it would have shit. Some of them Nate joints, some of them Dre beats. Oh, with the, it would have like, been, been crazy. That's literally like. That's literally like, you know, if you take in the comics, the different multiverses, like somebody put a multiverse with the locks actually going to death row. That would be insane. insane. That'd be insane. Y'all would have had to put him down. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been insane. Jonesy, <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> so listen, last question before we bring up everybody. Um, we do this thing on the Charles Coleman podcast called Life or Death Hip Hop Karaoke. All right? Mm. So this is this. You don't got to spit the verse, but this is how it works. One of your closest family members gets kidnapped and they hit you and they say on the spot, on the spot, they like, yo, you got to spit three different verses from three different artists oh my God. That, that are not yours. Flawlessly. What you choosing in order to get them back? I probably choose something like Juicy. Okay, that's an easy one. You, that's a, yeah, I'm going for easy. Safe I'm bet. going easy. You should. I'm going run the safe easy. bet. I'm going the easy. Safe bet. Absolutely. Easy. Absolutely. Safe bet. All right, juicy. I'm going something like that, juicy. I'm going something like um. Can't be something he wrote. It's gotta be. Oh, it could be something you wrote for somebody else. Oh, that's easy. Benjamin. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> no. Uh, Trying to keep it easy. Something Wu Tang. I'm going one of the. Oh. I'm going. I'm going something Wu. One of the big. You know. Nah, I ain't going ODB. <laughs> he got some words you think is words you might mess yeah, up. Yeah, you yeah. might mess that up. I'm trying to keep it safe and clean and. Know what I mean? You think you could do? You think you could get through? Uh, like INS on Triumph, Abomatomically? Never. Never. My family, family member. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I can't do that. I can get through. I think I can get through INS, but not the whole record. That's yeah. a that's a nuts. The whole record. Anybody like, that can do that whole record is is they need to. Yeah, they it's need, crazy. It's crazy. They need something. Yes, it's a crazy. Fact. If you can do that whole record, just if you can do expect the deck part. Yeah. You need a, a noble peace prize. <laughs> if you can do that whole song, you need a statue in front of the Universal Building. Indeed, indeed. Well, listen, brother, I appreciate you. Stay right there. Yes, sir. This has been Jadakiss. You are watching the Charles Coleman podcast live taping.
from Ludlow House right here in New York City. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit because one of the things that we haven't talked about is what else, what after? Like the records are cool, the royalties are cool, but what else is there as you level up? Right, you talk, you know, you heard Jada talk about being a family man, heard him talking about his kids and so on and so forth. And so now we got Kiss Cafe, we in the game with the coffee game. So we're gonna bring up the real masterminds behind the business. Welcome to the stage, Bob Phillips and Jay Juan Phillips of Kiss Cafe. How we doing? We moving over? Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. We uh thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. You got much. some sweat. Yeah, absolutely. We got th- three generations of Phillips men out here on the stage, black men out here doing their thing. Let's give it up one more time. Three deep, baby. Three deep. Shout out, shout out. So a lot of people don't know this, but you are like, and he's he's described you as the El Chapo of the coffee game. Let, let, just tell us a little bit about how you got into that space. Um, I, my, uh, my field, my professional field is logistics. So I've been working with imports for more than almost 50 years almost, but specifically in coffee for about 45 years. Importing coffee. Selling coffee to roasting companies. Uh, roasting companies are companies like Starbucks, Maxwell House, Folgers, Tim and Hortons. people like that. Tim Hortons mm. was a big client of mine. So I've been doing this for quite a while. I opened my own company about 25 years ago. I was lucky enough to start my own business about 25 years ago. And I am at full retirement age as far as so. Shout out to that. Shout out to that. That's where everybody here wants to get to, so you already yeah. and giving I was, us the blueprint. I was planning to retire about four or five years ago, but uh, being that, I think one of the only things, I mean, when you, you talk about generational wealth or your legacy or whatever, you know, some of us don't have a lot of things that we could pass on to our kids, and it's not like I had, he didn't want to work in my company. I had a business that I could have <laughs> left, but I couldn't expect him to work. In, in my company, because he's probably more profitable than I was at the time. But, uh, and I held out until my grandson got out of college, and I was saying, well, I know, well, I skipped this generation, maybe he wants to do it. And when he graduated and he came there, and I'm saying, okay, I got a desk for you over here, and the last thing he wanted to see was a desk. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't want to do, you know, so like, I mean, like an administrative job is a, is a bad word. But in any event, uh, and he's still on the payroll, by the way, which... Uh, That's how you do it. Figures. That's how you do it. No, but, uh, you know, I wanted somebody, I mean, and everybody, if you build a business, every father wants to be able to pass that business on to the next generation so they can take it to that next level. But uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I missed the first generation. Second generation didn't want any part of it. And I'm thinking, that what, what can I on. do? I mean, <laughs> the only thing that I had to leave, basically, was knowledge and, and, and experience, I mean, uh, besides the business itself. And we had been talking uh, about, and you, you see the, in the hip-hop uh, industry where people have morphed into different products. I mean, every consumer product that you can imagine. I mean, you, you name it. But... More specifically, liquors and and beers and and whatever. And I had been telling him probably, I bet it's been more than 10 years ago, we should do a coffee brand. And yeah, 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 we should, yeah. But it it never happened. But uh, there came a time when when I think that uh, uh, the pandemic really is probably more responsible for us doing this business than anything because when he... I think he was one of the first artists that performed live on Versus rather than Zoom with Fab. Yep. And uh, he, he did that thing, and, and uh, 
they were live, and I, I, I don't know who the sponsor was, but I think he had a bottle of Doucet there on the stage with him. Jaden Drew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was in. The, I wasn't gonna say nothing, but yeah, yeah, you was you was saucy, my guy. It was the black he bottle was of Doucet. Shout out to Doucet. Exactly. You was real saucy, my guy. So he he drank almost that whole bottle, and you know, and I'm not a big social media fan, and I had my grandkids over, and they were reading the comments as they were coming in, and and the fans were saying, "Jada's drunk. Get him some water." <laughs> you know, he's wobbling on stage, but he was having a good time. He was really, you know, funning it up there, and and. Uh, he had this this yellow outfit on. And Stone Island, shout out yeah. to Stone Island. He about to do some business. Yeah, Stone hold on, Island. Hold on, fam, I need a cut. Or got something. you, don't worry, I got you. And, uh, you know, immediately after that, I think that was the first verses that they had done live, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it had such... No, it wasn't live. It was still to the camera. Remember? Yeah, but I mean, but you both uh, you in the studio. Yeah, it was both there. Yeah, it was the band and remote, which yeah. which was a big move for us. I mean, psychologically coming out of the pandemic, it was a big move, a big shot in the arm for everybody to try to get past this thing that we were fighting at the time, and it was very well received. And uh, people started pirating uh, merchandise and everything with his silhouette, Jada drunk T-shirts. <laughs> Jada drunk, uh, hoodies, caps, you know, and, and making a lot of money off it, and he was getting nothing. So I'm saying, you know, now is the time. So I, I, I said, now is the time to launch your coffee. You know, the old wives tell is that coffee cures a hangover, and if, if you're drunk, you, you get so... Uh, I, I, I had the prototype of a package, uh, shout out to AJ, by the way, uh, of a package hey. done with... Um, uh, Jada drunk and it had that silhouette on it and and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, parents uh, gonna be parents we scrapped that <laughs> parents gonna be parents yeah yeah so uh, and we got to it and then I says listen and he says yeah let's do it let's do it so it finally got him to the point where he said let's do it but I says if we're gonna do this we're going to have to do it right. I says, you know, I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan, and, you know, what it says a, a man's got to know his limitations. So I know what I can do, and I know what I can't do. So I said, if we're going to do this, we need some branding experts, people that are experienced in branding and marketing. And he says, I got people, and I got people. So we finally hooked up with the, our current team, the compound, compound. That we have right now. Uh, Liza Shout Free. out to Compound in the building. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this thing was like about almost two years. Three. Almost three, 2020. Three. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying, but we've been in business a year, so it's about two we're years in uh, uh, working on it. Congratulations! <laughs> big shout out to that. Big, big, big shout. So, so J1, you're the grandson. You are the 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 heir apparent. You do music. He spends money. You <laughs> Listen, par parents gonna air you out. You see how you know saying grandpa's just air him out. I'm used to it. It's his turn. Um, first of all, your HBCU graduate shout out Clark Atlanta University. Big shout out. Big shout out One to one of my biggest HBCUs. accomplishments by far. I've been Grammy nominated, platinum albums, gold albums. Give it up for that. Watching them walk across that stage Give at Clark. For that. that was one of my biggest accomplishments. Give it for that. Give it up for that. He's the first one in the immediate family to graduate from college. Oh, wow. I mean, right from high school to college, and he did it the right way. But but we got one more in an HBCU. We want to yeah. shout her out. My daughter's in Morgan State. She's oh, a junior. Shout out to Jaden. She's next up. Big shout out, big shout out, big shout out. So you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> We got them all in here. We got them all in here. So, so you watching all of this. Mm -hmm. You got your hand in, in music, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you're learning more about entrepreneurship from your grandfather. And how are you taking all of this in? He owns big percentage of the company. All right. So now you're, now you're an owner. A like you're literally, owner. all these people sit around, right? Oh, I'm a boss. I'm a boss. You literally are. So how, how? How are you sort of processing, processing all of this? For me, honestly, I just say it's a lot of listening, paying attention, studying. Like my grandfather, he's been doing this for 45 years, so he's aware of everything in the coffee business. 
as far as music, watching him, studying him, like mistakes made and everything, and just like I'm a big history buff. Like I'm not a history fan, but like if I'm involved in something or like something, I go and do my research into it so that I can be the best that I can be or at least mirror the greats or whoever you would consider the greats in it. And I've been to coffee conventions with him to where it's five, 2,000 people in a room and they're like, he's the guy to know. Like, we call him. I've watched him get Word. calls, endless calls after seconds, after second, after second, even through the pandemic. And I'm like, that's good. It's a great moneymaker, but I can't just sit here and look at the stock market and all of that all day. It'll drive me nuts. So given that, right, you're watching this from both perspectives, what would you say is the most valuable lesson you've learned, both from watching your pops in the music space and then watching your grandfather in the entrepreneurial space? I would say it's patience. Um, like my grandfather said, he was talking about owning a coffee business since I was a kid, like a real little kid. Um, and it's just patience. He didn't rush to do a business or a coffee line. He doesn't rush with albums, so it's really just patience. Patience to get you further than rushing or a quick buck because you could lose it. It could go fast and then you could lose it just as fast thinking it'd never end. You know what? You you are right for alpha. For alpha, you are right. <laughs> you are right for alpha. Um, Bob, I got to ask you. So, Jada talked a little bit about just kind of sort of inadvertently, he talked about, you know, being in California for the first time when Big was, was killed. And as you know, whether you were sort of like up close to it, I'm sure you're, you're a guy who, you know, follows the news. Uh, we met because you follow the news, right? Exactly. And so what was it like being a father to someone who was so close to the nexus of what was going on during that time where hip hop was being branded in a particular light. But at the end of the day, regardless of anything else that's going on, you're a dad. Did you ever want to say like, son, I don't want you in this space. What are you doing? Are you being safe? You know, what was your instinct there? I wanted to, but, but if I can give you a little history on how I got involved or sort of removed myself or got myself from being involved in his career, then you'll probably understand it. But getting back, I it was just reflecting when he was talking about the thing with Biggie when that whole thing happened. I remember hearing that that morning and and knowing that they were out there at the Soul Chain Music Awards and that they were with him and it was that was kind of reckless. I mean that was that was a period where I was saying it, you know, questioning myself what well, is it worth it to be in this business or not? I mean the East Coast, West Coast thing was probably at its height, and that was kind of nerve-wracking for, for uh, a parent. But uh, as far as being involved or in his business, you know, I mean, he, he sort of honed his craft under the radar. I mean, me and his mother didn't really have a lot of knowledge of what he was doing. You know, he would, we'd just tell him, to make, you're making that noise, close your door, you know, and, <laughs> you know, we don't want to hear that. And, uh, and he would go over to his grandmother's house, which was a housing project where Sheik's grandmother lived. And I don't know where Styles came from, but they all hooked up. <laughs> they all hooked up over there, and they started to get themselves together. And then, you know, I would get, like, I had a few friends that worked at a, a youth detention center where DMX frequented often. <laughs> and uh, uh, and they would come Woodfield. to me. Woodfield. Yeah, Woodfield Detention Center in Westchester. <laughs> And they would come to me and they said, yeah, your son is going to blow up, man. Your son is going to be big. And I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I mean, uh, because I wasn't into I'm not from that generation, obviously, but, you know, but, but he is. And we, we started to see things coming, you know, and uh, I think the, the Dean brothers came by and I think they brought DMX over to the house to show off the, the, their president artists and, you know, they wanted him to sign this contract that was terrible contract that, you know, because <laughs> they were only 16 then, and they were not yeah, of legal right. age, and they couldn't sign, so uh, us parents, Sheik's mother, the red god rest her soul, and, and, and my wife and I, and we talked, and we, we got together, and, you know, I had a friend that's a lawyer, and we, we sent him the contract, and he says, man, this is probably one of the worst contracts I've ever seen in my life, 
and you know, you should change this, 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 and this. And I think we went to Y or somebody, and we said, man, you know, this contract, he said, Mr. Phillips, I don't mean no disrespect, but he said, there's a thousand kids that will sign this contract yeah. immediately. Well, I said, well, we're parents, you know, and in good conscience, we can't do it. So we didn't sign the contract, which basically delayed their entrance into the to the, the to the game but as soon as they turned 18 they went out and signed the worst contract <laughs> in the world Kiss, what did you ever were, did, were you like how'd you process that how'd you take that in the moment I mean, we, when you kids and you radical and you passionate and you don't really care about that you 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 want to you want to be involved in something so bad you figure I'll fix it down the line. I mean, I got the chance to be on the 96 Bulls. I'm signing it. I don't yeah, care. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay, I'm sorry. But in that respect, you're getting back to your original question. And I, I just want to leave this with you. So in that respect, seeing when he actually got to where he is now, I made a decision that I, well, I didn't know nothing at the beginning, and I don't know nothing now, so just... You know, you know, pull back. So I haven't been a lot. Uh, I haven't been involved a whole lot with with some of his business making decisions. I mean, I well, trust. He's very him. good with his keeping my mortgage paid, paying my taxes. No, he yeah. makes sure. You mean the shit he, that matters? Yeah, right. He take care. He take care of the stuff that matters. Right. Taxes. So I gotta appreciate him for that. Yeah, facts. And 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 as we get into you know. The coffee business, that's an incredible skill set to have. Real talk for entrepreneurs who are expanding when you're talking about wealth, transfer of wealth. All of that requires infrastructure. So you need somebody who has logistics and the experience to do that. Jaywan, I want to ask you, um, you know, you, we just heard your grandfather's perspective. When did you, what was it? Or was there ever a moment? What was the moment that you was like, oh, my dad is like a big deal? Oh, <laughs> you know, he used to be mad that I wasn't around when he was like a baby, like a lot, because I was on tour, being able to pay for his tuition to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm out here slaying these lions. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think I've really sat and registered with it. I think I asked my little brothers that recently. I think it's just hearing the music and stuff, you seeing it, seeing people run up to him and come up to him, like then you just start putting two and two together. It's like. I don't think it was no set moment. It was like a light bulb clicked on. It was just see videos, you hear the music, and it was one of those. It was like, all right, this is what it is. So now that you're an artist, you know you got a, you got your hand in a lot of different things. You got your own business. You're a college graduate. You have a degree. You can go do other things. Does your love for music ever come with a level of pressure, based off of like whether other people know or not? To be honest, yeah. I shot away from music for a long time because I didn't want to deal with that. Yeah. But um, just me being me who I am and always being myself and standing in my own light, it didn't really affect me like that. I like to believe I'm probably one of the only artists from his generation who kids hasn't let them down yet as far. Like, mm. you feel me? Like, Shout out to that. So I think, um, I think... It's always going to be comparisons. That's with anything. But if you see us together, you see us separately. We are similar, but we also very different. And I think in the music that transcribes, because I'll rap about school and stuff like that. I'll, stuff like, that I don't, you did. Yeah, like, I, yeah. <laughs> so stuff you me, actually did, right. Yeah. And right. I'll rap about making the money that had to put them through school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been a, a, a fantastic conversation but before we do before we go um i i did ask your pops and now i gotta ask you but i'm gonna change it though life or death hip i got a different question for you and we're gonna end on yeah, don't wisdom. ask me no lyrics I no, no, no. <laughs> we're gonna, we gonna end on wisdom we're gonna end on wisdom life or death hip-hop karaoke one of your pops just one of your pops verses it cannot be benjamin what verse? You don't got to do it, but like you know it flawlessly. What verse do you choose? Bring You Down off um, the second album. Oh. Mm. Was it something about that verse? Because you, you answered that mad fast. When I, um, I remember where I was at when I first heard it. 
I was in his Range Rover with my uncle Gus. I'm not sure if it was the blue one, and it was, it was on the CD. The he just kept <laughs> playing at it. He kept this playing the album. There's a lot of flexing album. going on, y'all. We, we we closing out with a lot of flexing. He kept, like he kept playing the album, but that was just the song, like the beat, everything. I was just like, that's one of my favorite records. Mm, so that's that's it, and you yeah. flawlessly start to finish. Start to finish. I like Still. it. That's it. <laughs> Did you know that? I don't even know. Did that. you know that? Nah. Ah. I didn't know that. We got another Jay. Nah, we, we. He gets paid for these performances, ladies. Listen, we gonna do it. We gonna do exclusive Ludlow concert. There you go. Once at a certain amount of episodes or something, when it's like yeah, like the hundred. Yeah, when you get to the hundred episode, we gonna do something special. That's it. I heard it here first. There you go. Then when we get to the hundred, that's what it is. So, we've, we've heard so much, and we've talked about so much. You talked about um, wanting to pass on, you know, the legacy of wisdom and of information, taking where you've been as a black man in a space that isn't necessarily, like, something that we are dominant in. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Very much right. So, so, yeah. so what I would like for us to end on is if you could give us a word. We, you know, um, shout out Jisha Rubin. Uh, we always talk about the, the we, we always talk we always talk about the hundred year plan. Like, what's your hundred year plan? So, a hundred years from now, the Phillips bloodline, somebody finds like a, a, a note because they're in an industry or in a path that doesn't necessarily have a lot of us in it. What would you say to that your bloodline 100 years from now? Well, 100 years from now, what I would be most proud of is what I'm seeing continuing right now. And, and my son's a big rapper and people love him and whatever. But what I like most about him is that he takes care of his family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's... And, and I and I have to say this in all honesty, he's probably done a better job with his family than I did with mine because circumstances were different, of course. And if I didn't impart anything else, that's the one thing that I'm most proud that he that he learned. And you know, and uh, and I think that if you do that, if we recognize that family is probably the most family and friends is probably the most important relationships that we can have in this world. Forget about money. You can have all the money in the world. It don't mean nothing. If you ain't got a friend or family or somebody, it, it means nothing. So it's not about the, the, the money thing. Money comes and money goes. Family is forever. So, Hey, that was it. There it is. That's it. That's the sound bite. That's the viral moment. I want to thank everybody for coming out. My name is Charles Coleman, Jr., this is the Charles Coleman Podcast. I want to give a big shout-out to Ludlow House for having us. A big shout-out to Dave Mathis on the boards, getting everything right. Hey! The rest of the team, the audio. Again, my contributors, Jisha Rubin, Kurt Cashman, Kurt in the building, DJ CEO, of course, and our lovely hostess, Miss Jones in the building. Thank Jonesy, you I love you, baby. Enjoy the rest of the music. And make sure you are subscribed, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that. So when this is, you can let somebody know you was at a dope conversation. Have a good night. Peace and love, y'all. Sir. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.